0: This is Thoughts from the Metal Cabin, where only one opinion matters, and it's not yours. G'day there. How's your day been? Yeah, mine's probably been the same. But seeing as you have bothered to go to your podcast provider and choose this podcast to listen to, I guess I better expand on the day at hand. So this is what I found interesting in the last day or so. This is... The Almanac Report, on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. G'day there and welcome to today's episode of Thoughts from the Metal Cavern, or the Almanac Report. Pretty much one of the same. Hey listen, how great is it to have cricket on again in Australia, and it's only August. It's very close to September, but I think it's terrific, and I love The fact that cricket's being played in the North End again up there in Townsville and then Cairns next week. And we should be utilising Darwin as well. And I think it's great and we need to do this. Especially against teams such as Zimbabwe and Bangladesh and Afghanistan and Ireland and all these other teams that we all know full well that the ordinary cricket follower are not going to go and watch they're not excited about going to the MCG or the SCG to see these teams play against Australia. And as a result, because they won't get the crowds uh, and Cricket Australia will feel they're losing money, we don't seem to bring these teams out to Australia enough. So let's utilise these grounds up there in the North End at this time of year, when if you just want to watch football, fine, just watch the footy. But if you want to watch cricket and you enjoy seeing an international match, then you'll watch it. And I thoroughly enjoyed today's first match in the ODI series against Zimbabwe, in Zimbabwe. can't even say it properly, up there in uh, Townsville. It was good to have that little uh, bit there today, honouring the memory of Andrew Simons. But more than anything else, it was just great to see Australia playing Zimbabwe again. Now... Everyone going into the match probably felt as though they know, knew how the game was going to go. But that wasn't the important thing. The important thing is getting enthusiastic like Kerry O'Keefe does. Now, Kerry O'Keefe knows more about cricket than probably anybody on the planet. He watches more cricket, and I wish I had the time to watch the kind of amount of cricket that Kerry O'Keefe does. And he knows these guys, he knows these Zimbabwe guys, and he was talking them up and he was explaining what they do and how they go about it. And I, for one, really enjoyed that. And because it's been so long. I mean, we watch, news, we watch Zimbabwe play in World Cups, you know, but you only ever take a passing glance. And even when they're playing Australia, you sort of think, oh, yeah, they're there, oh, they've played them, oh, well, we'll see them again in two years. And that's the terrible thing about it. We haven't played enough against Zimbabwe in Australia, and part of that is because of uh, regime changes over there with uh, former presidents, Mugabe, who were basically tyrants, but other parts is that Cricket Australia consider that we're too good to be playing much against Zimbabwe because they don't draw crowds, they don't make money for Cricket Australia, so we don't play against them, and I think that is piss poor, and it's the same with these other nations. and. One of my bugbears about Australia and international cricket is we we don't do enough to promote the younger nations coming through into international cricket and giving them the opportunity to not only play against Australia, one of the best teams in all formats, but in playing in Australia against Australia on Australian wickets in front of Australian crowds on Australian grounds. It's the kind of thing that we need to do to promote international cricket because We can't keep playing against India and England for the rest of our lives. That's boring. You want to play against lots of nations. And that's why this uh, suspension or postponement of the Afghanistan test now for two years or three years or whatever it's been, and it's going to be another three or four years, is really unfortunate. So it's great that Zimbabwe are out here. The bad side is that we don't, aren't scheduled to play Zimbabwe again for another five years. And that's really not good enough. So let's hope that somehow something is done to change that and to get our cricketers, on the big money they are, playing more in Australia during the winter or in the early spring, as they are now, in places where they can and where they will draw crowds Because they're starved of international cricket, they don't want to have to travel to Brisbane or Adelaide or wherever to go and watch international cricket. They want to watch it in their backyards too, just like we all do. So it's good for everybody by doing this. So on this occasion, I applaud Cricket Australia for finally getting this happening. Let's hope there's much more of it. So how about today's game, a one-day game, and it finished early, which is pretty much what I think Aaron Finch was looking for when he won the toss and elected to field, so that Zimbabwe could bat first, and they would hope they'd keep them to a manageable score and knock it off pretty quickly. And in the short, that's exactly what happened. Australia were able to keep Zimbabwe to just 200, bowled out of 47.3 overs, and then managed to pass that total five wickets down in the 34th over. So, in the short, Australia win the game comfortably. But there was much more to it than that, and these, for me, were the best points of the game. Zimbabwe early batting showed a lot of grit and determination. Uh, The opening batsmen both started solidly, and then I thought they both got a little bit agricultural, shall we say. <laughs> they'd done the hard work early, and one of the points that Kerry O'Keefe made was that in their cricket, they generally try to be zero or one wickets down after 10 overs, and that's exactly what they achieved today. In fact, there were no wickets down, and they were just over 30-odd runs, so they'd done the job. Uh, and then their other opener, uh, Manamani, Maramani, sorry, and I might have some difficulty pronouncing some of these, but Maramani played very well as a left-hander. And eventually he was bowled by Zampa, but he made 45 off uh, 61 deliveries and looked really good. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, Madavari, who batted at number three, was the best of the Zimbabwe batsmen. He scored 72 off 91 and was excellent and really gave the impetus to the innings that they required. Uh, now, they've been playing India over there. They played Bangladesh in three games and India in three games at home over the last few weeks. And they gave India a real scare this week, and they scored over 300 against the Indian uh, bowling attack. So, they're no mugs. The problem being, though, that they got to, uh, was it, 4 for 185 in the 43rd over, so they needed to get going with only seven overs going. But they then lost 6 for 15 in 28 deliveries, and that, enable them to be bowled out for 200. So that was disappointing for them. They never looked like they were going to make more than 250 at the rate they were going. There was never a question they were going to make more than that. But they needed to get that 250 to be competitive in the long run. 200 simply wasn't going to be enough against Australia, no matter how many tricks the wicket might have been playing. Now for Australia, their bowling was good considering that they haven't played much in recent times. Both Stark and Hazelwood had their moments with a little bit of rust. It was good to see Adam Zampa back, and he was probably a bit more expensive than he really would have liked to have been. But the three wickets was his main draw card, and the most important part about his bowling is taking wickets, which is what he tends to do. He bowls for wickets, which is terrific. Cameron Green, who was picked as a number eight batter and first change bowlers, finished fifer and his first fiver for Australia in one day cricket. So that was terrific. He ended up with 5 for 33 off 9 overs. And that's really good for him and for Australia because we're still looking for him to turn into the all-rounder that we need him to be at all levels of cricket and at all in all forms of the game as well. So we moved into Australia's innings chasing that 200 and Aaron Finch uh, was dismissed for 15. Now, it was another middling innings from him, which doesn't help his cause for retention to get through to next year's ODI World Cup. I don't think there's any doubt in the world that he will be the captain of Australia's T Twenty World Cup uh, defence later this year. But when it comes to the ODI game, there is a long way until the next World Cup, and he really does probably need to continue to try and make big scores at the top of the innings to be in that team. On the other hand though, his captaincy has been really good and it was good again today in the field. And that level head that he has on the field is perhaps just as important as any of the runs that he makes. Now that won't get him another 14 months to next year's World Cup, but it's still an important thing that if he doesn't make that team next year, who is going to be the captain and can they do the same sort of job that he does very calmly on the field. David Warner made 50. He made 57 today from 66 deliveries. And just on those figures, you would say, well, that's a good innings for him. He's done well. But he had about three chances. He was put down at least twice and also was out, well, supposedly out caught behind for something that he walked to. And it wasn't given out by the umpire. So Zimbabwe referred it to the DRS And then the DRS more or less somehow cleared him to say, you're not out, come back, and and he had to walk back (laughs) to the wicket. Now, hasn't he basically given himself away by walking off, by saying that he edged it? It was interesting that they did bring up the fact that in last year's T20 World Cup semi-final against Pakistan, he also walked to a ball that he'd edged behind that he'd missed by a good two inches. So, and then in that case, he couldn't. He'd been given out and he couldn't, didn't review it and he had to go off. So, in this occasion, he didn't review it. Zimbabwe reviewed it and yet he walked but then got called back. And there was a murmur, I guess, as it went past the back and it wasn't, definitely wasn't a big spike. So, the umpire probably ruled correctly by saying that he was not out on the evidence given, but he'd already walked. And you would think that in the umpire's mind that if he's walked, then he thinks he's hit it. Anyway, he made his 50, but to be honest, I didn't believe that innings was as convincing as the commentators were saying it was, despite the fact that he did play some excellent shots. Now, I don't like the five all-rounders that are batting from four to eight as they did in this game today, and, and those were Alex Carrier, our wicketkeeper, Marcus Stoinis, Mitchell Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, and then uh, Cameron Smith. Uh, to me... That's a lack of batting and far too many options there for bowling options if you want to call them all-rounders than we actually need, especially given Stoinis doesn't bowl much anymore uh, and Marsh is still coming back from injury. Now, to me, I don't understand why Lamanas-Lamashane wasn't there batting a four. Now, they're obviously using Kerry at four today to see how he went there and it was mentioned a couple of times by both Kerry O'Keefe Nathan Lyon and Brad Haddon, that they felt that his work against spin is something that they're trying to look at because he uses the reverse sweep well and he bats well against spin, that maybe he's an option at number four for Australia for next year's ODI World Cup. Now, he made uh, 10 today off eight balls. Astoinis made 19 off 14. Mitch Marsh made two off three. So not a lot in that middle order, which got Australia 5 down and and never in danger of losing, but certainly putting the pressure on the lower order to finish off the game. Now, I think there are better options, which I'll come to shortly, but I don't think we can have numbers 4 to 8 in our batting lineup as all being all-rounders. We can get away with it against Zimbabwe, but next week or the week after against New Zealand, I'm not so sure that that's going to be such a good idea. Steve Smith steered the ship again, he is still criticised about how fast or slow he bats. Today he made 48 off 80 balls. He was not out. Uh, he played some very nice shots. He basically had the game under his control the whole time. He knew that he just had to bat through and they would win, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, and then, of course, Maxwell came in at the end to finish it all off at, there at number seven. 32 runs off nine balls with three fours and three sixes, which finished that game off very quickly. Now, both of these guys are our big players for me, leading into next year's one-day World Cup. Uh, Maxwell, has found his place at seven, and that's an interesting story as to how that came about with Aaron Finch. Uh, if you haven't heard it, uh, it's worth looking up rather than me going into it here now. And uh, Steve Smith obviously batting at three again in the one-day team. He's just going to control the game and do the thing. There was some really nice bowling in the middle overs by Zimbabwe, though. The, the big left-armer, Nagarvara, I thought he looked really impressive. He is a big man, tall and wide, and uh, much in the way of uh, the Pakistan big, fast left-arm left, hand, left arm bowler. He really looked good. He hit the pitch hard. He got a bit of movement. Uh, he got through Aaron Finch's defences. Uh, he went the journey in the last bit from uh, Maxwell, but... He looked impressive, and they've got a couple of bowls to come back into this team, Zimbabwe, so in theory, they should be tougher for the batsmen in Game 2. So overall, Australia had a good win, and it was a, a solid victory and a well-deserved victory, and on, as I said on the face of it, it looks like an easy victory. Going into Game 2, um, personally... For me, and, and I, they've got a squad of 14, and you would think that everyone would get a game at some stage. I would like to see Labashane and Ashton Agar come into this game, into this team for game two, and replace Stoyness and Marsh, who it seems unlikely will be replaced. But for me, you bat Marnus at four, then you bring Cameron Green up to bat at five. I mean, he is batting six in the test team, so he should be batting five in his one day team. You bat Carey at six, which is for me his best position given that that's where he batted with Maxwell at batting at seven when they both scored centuries against England in the ODI COVID tours uh, in recent times that won Australia that match. And I felt that Carey at six is still his best position. And then you have Maxwell at seven and then Ashton Agar to bat at eight. And then you have the three bowlers. And of course, by doing that, to me, Labashain at four, uh, that that strengthens our batting it gives us plenty of options uh, with some good hitting to come from Carey and Maxwell and Agar. And then we have our bowling attack of Stark, Hazelwood, Green, who's taken five for today, Zampa, Agar, who has always been good in recent times, and Maxwell as the backup if we need it. And then, of course, if you really need some other help, you've got Laba Shane to help, or even Aaron Finch to throw his little left armors down as well. And play that team, and let's see if that improves the batting a bit that's all for today's edition of the almanac report thanks for tuning in and i hope you'll come back and check out further episodes down the track right here on the podcast thoughts for the metal cabin You have been listening to a Metal Cavern production.